Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another live stream from Adafruit. Today, we're celebrating Circuit Python Day. Yay! Yeah, we have here with us is Dan H, who is core lead on Circuit Python Dev. Um, so we're going to uh, take about an hour to do a live stream, and we are hanging out in the Discord chat room. So if folks want to join in and say what's up, maybe ask some questions. Uh, you can do so by hitting up uh, the Discord link, which is ada.fru.it slash Discord. Dan, hello. Uh, <laughs> Good morning. Happy CircuitPython Day. Yes, happy CircuitPython yeah, Day. Yeah, this is great. So we picked a date. Actually, any any numbers can look like snakes, but 99 <laughs> looks like snakes. And 99 is easy to remember, and it was on a Wednesday, which is... Adafruit big big video day, so that's good too. Yeah. So I just want to say we're dedicating um, Circuit Python Day this year to the Lamba Labs, um, Beirut hackerspace in Beirut, Lebanon. And as you know, there was a huge explosion in Beirut uh, in a warehouse um, on August fourth, which is not so long ago, and many people were killed and injured, and thousands of people left homeless or had their homes destroyed. So um, in the aftermath of that, Lambda Labs, Lambda Labs, not Lambda, Lambda Labs, Makerspace stepped up and joined the efforts to rebuild their community, doing search and rescue, restoring damaged homes and volunteering, providing aid tents for food, shelter, and uh, helping construction engineers with the rebuilding process. Last year, uh, Lambda Labs, Makerspace, and Beirut was a partner for Circuits Python Day, and this year we're dedicating it to Lambda Labs for all the amazing work they're doing in the Beirut community to help recover from this explosion. And if you'd like to help, you can um, donate to some fundraisers. Uh, there are links in the live broadcast chat in, in Discord that you can look at, and either of those is fine. Just click on the links and find out. And you'll be hearing more about that later. OK. Excellent. Thank you. And I've posted the links to all the blog posts. It has all the resources if you guys want to donate to the cause. Definitely worth checking out. Excellent. We also have a link down here in the bottom of the video. Yeah. Excellent. Great. Cool. There's some other things we want to do, sort of housekeeping in the morning. Um, we have some awesome promotions going on as well. If you go to adafruit.com slash free, you can see all the new things that were added, mostly STEMA boards. Yeah. So we're celebrating over 50 boards. And with that, when uh, you get an order that's over, I think it's $150, you will get a random assortment of different uh, 15 different STEMA boards. If you log in with your Adafruit account, we'll take uh, keep track of those. So you'll get a different one each uh, order uh, while supplies last. So definitely uh, check that out. Um, this week's 3D printing project uh, has a lot to do with STEMA. It's a bunch of Lego compatible uh, bricks to fit all of the different size of STEMA boards that we have. So we'll go over that. We'll post some links over it, and we'll uh, do a nice little re uh, recap next week. But uh, definitely check out adafruit.com slash free to see all of the deals. There's a bunch on there. We still have the free uh, CPX, uh, the promo proto boards, and free shipping. Uh, different tiers for all of the uh, prices all listed there. Yep. Just uh, another uh, kind of a Adafruit is open. Open safely. Check out adafruit.com slash open safely to see all of the different uh, procedures Adafruit is taking and precautions uh, to make sure that your orders are well, good. Uh, so we're hanging out in the Discord. Go in there and say hello. That's, yeah. There it is. There's the link again if you'd like to join us. It's adafru.it slash Discord. I like using discord.gg slash Adafruit. That works as well. Sure, whichever is easier. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and continue with the stream. Okay. Dan, uh, this morning you're going to show how to set up a project. How to set up a board, and we'll write some fun code. Can all you right. hear OK. <laughs> all right, so we're all set. So um, let's now, uh, I'm Dan Halbert, and I am one of the people working on CircuitPython for Adafruit. I'm, a, I'm paid by Adafruit to do that. And I work primarily on the actual implementation of CircuitPython. That is the core firmware for that. A few libraries, but mostly the core firmware. And I've been doing this for just about a little more than three years now. 
um, and having been having a great time uh, doing that. I'm remote, like many of Adafruit's engineers. I work, I, I, I live, I don't live in New York City, but I'm in touch with everybody all the time uh, at Adafruit. So let's go on. Uh, let's let's go ahead and talk about what is CircuitPython. Okay, so you've heard it, and maybe the people who are watching this right now are mostly ringers, but we hope to record this and make it available to other people who want a more beginning beginner's introduction. So Python, let's first talk about what Python is. Python, it's an easy to learn programming language and that's suitable for beginners. You can also use it, professional programmers use it all the time, but it was originally cast as something that was really easy to use, easy to read, easy to read and easy to write. And unlike say C, it's got a bunch of high level data types that are built in. So it's got strings built in, it's got long integers like arbitrary precision integers, not just ones that'll fit in 16 or 32 or eight bits. It's got dictionaries. So you can look up, you can give a key of something that's any object and get a value back. It's got sets, it's got a bunch of stuff like that. And also really importantly, it does uh, memory management by itself. So you don't have to clean up after yourself. You don't have to allocate storage explicitly. It handles all that in the background. So uh, where, what about CircuitPython? So originally, let's talk about uh, something called MicroPython. A fellow named Damien George, who's in Australia, he's a physicist. Uh, about seven years ago now, I think, he decided that he wanted to make a version of Python that could run on microcontrollers. Microcontrollers are very small, tiny computers that, um, that you might find in your toaster oven or your dashboard. Uh, you know, what's in your phone is more sophisticated than microcontrollers. Any object in your house that now you've got dozens of them that, that does things that are slightly intelligent, your thermostat, your webcams, whatever, they all have microcontrollers in them. And so he, he couldn't start for, he couldn't start with regular uh, Python, the regular Python implementation, which is called C Python, because it's written in C. So he, he started, Damien started a complete re-implementation of, of Python, called it MicroPython, and he emphasized low memory use because there isn't a lot of memory available on microcontrollers. There's some flash and some RAM and often not that much of each. So um, as you know, regular Python, it has, it, it says like, it comes batteries included, which means that when you download it and install it, it comes with a lot of libraries already built in. Uh, there isn't room for that in MicroPython or CircuitPython, but instead of that, we've added additional functionality for physical computing. And I'll talk about what that means in a bit. Um, so what happened? How did CircuitPython come about? Well, we started trying out MicroPython and thought it was great. We got it to run an ASP8266, um, connected it up to our breakout boards and things like that. And then uh, we realized after a while that the way it was really, MicroPython is really oriented toward professional programmers, not so much the beginning programmer. And so the goals that we had were different, but we wanted to be able to use um, MicroPython as a starting thing, and it was a great piece of software. So we did fork it on GitHub. All these things are open source, both CircuitPython and MicroPython, and but it's a friendly fork. We have different goals, but we're in constant touch with the MicroPython people. We take things from them. They take a few things from us, and uh, we talk all the time. Uh, also importantly, uh, we, we want to implement CircuitPython in a variety of different microcontrollers made by different manufacturers, and they have different hardware on them. And, but we wanted the, the interface to be the same across all of them. So uh, that was something that MicroPython wasn't emphasizing at the time. They, they had specialized um, IO libraries for each different microcontroller. And we said, we'd rather have something uniform. So let's talk about physical computing. I use that's a buzz phrase I used. What I mean by that is using computers, or in this case, microcontrollers to control things or to get to get information from things that are like some kind of electrical signal, digital signals or analog signals. 
your desktop computer does this to a limited extent, but you can't kind of connect arbitrary LEDs or motors to it or anything like that directly. But you can do that with microcontrollers. So we're talking about like motors, servos, and solenoids, button switches, knobs, and dials, um, LEDs, red, green, blue LEDs, RGB LEDs like our NeoPixels and dot stars, um, tiny displays of various kinds, sounds, um, and then all kinds of sensors. There are all kinds of sensors that you can talk to based on um, some kind of communications protocols that most people don't know about. Um, like they're called I2C or SPI. Most people who aren't familiar with microcontrollers don't know, know those, but we support them. So then the question is, well, what kind of boards run CircuitPython? Um, so I have a bunch of boards here. Let me switch to my overhead camera here. Um, let's see if I can get this a little closer. There we go. I'll turn on the light. Um, so all kinds of microcontroller development boards run CircuitPython. Uh, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with CircuitPython, you probably know about Arduino, ne nevertheless. And our the, the microcontroller that's on Arduino and on a classic Arduino board is not powerful enough to run MicroPython or CircuitPython. It just doesn't have enough memory, either flash or RAM. But there are plenty of boards that are newer than that because the original Arduino board is like 15 years old at this point. And there are much better microcontrollers that are available that cost the same. You know, they all, all these microcontrollers only cost like between 50 cents and $4 or something like that. So um, here, for instance, We've got an Arduino-shaped board. Uh, this is a uh, that we sell. It's called the Metro M4. It's the same shape as an Arduino. Uh, it also runs Arduino software, but it runs MicroPython. I've got it connected up to some sensors here, a light sensor and a, a humidity sensor, and also um, a servo. You've got a line of, uh, of boards called um, feathers, all of which are the same shape and have the same pinout, and they have a bunch of different microcontrollers on them. Um, SAMD21s, SAMD51s, STMs, um, NRF, which have Bluetooth support, and eventually um, uh, Wi-Fi, uh, ESP32s. And you can connect, you can put things on top of these. We have a bunch of things called feather wings that fit on top of the feathers or fit on these things called uh, doublers or triplers. This, but these boards have the same pinout, and you can put one on top of the other. So if I take this out, I can stack these things up, for instance. So here I put a bunch of NeoPixels on top of a microcontroller board. And then we've got some educational boards. Uh, um, and this is called, here's our typical one. It's called a Circuit Playground Express. And we've also got a Circuit Playground Blue Fruits, which are more sophisticated and can do Bluetooth. Um, and they're blue, like this one. So um, let's talk about let's 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 say you want to get started with this, and you buy one of these uh, Circuit Playground Expresses Express boards from us. Okay, so maybe I'll put myself in the corner here. Um, and oh, no, uh, Pedro, I'm going to start sharing the screen. So let's see what I can do here. Um, I've got a, I've got a lot of windows open here, so um, let me just yep. put this down, and I'll share this screen over here. And let's open a browser. Um, here we go. I gotta put it on the other side. Okay, so suppose you you buy um, one of the one of these boards, and let's go back to. Um, okay, first we it comes sometimes some of the boards come with Circuit Python on them, some of them don't. Some of them come with some Arduino demo or something like that. So usually what you want to do is get the latest version of Circuit Python, download it, and put it on the board. So. Um, if you open a browser and you go to circuitpython.org, 
let's make this, and then I can make this bigger. There we go. If you go to circuitpython.org and then click on downloads, you'll see a bunch of boards. And you can type in, for instance, I have a playground. You can type, start typing something, and it'll narrow that down to everything that just has the word playground in it. Here's a circuit parameter express right here. That's what I've got. So um, let's go here. And now here's the, the board that I bought. And I'll pick, I could choose a development version or the latest stable version. Let's pick the latest stable version. So I can just click download. And it goes down in here. It's in my uh, download. It'll be in my download folder. And I'm using Windows here just to make it um, because uh, a lot of people use Windows. And uh, you, but you could do this on Mac or Linux also. So let's go ahead and plug this board in. Okay, let me find my loose cable. Okay. Oh, it says there's, uh, it's complaining a bit. I've actually already, um, let's see. Now, um, normally when you um, plug this in, if it came straight from the factory, it won't have CircuitPython on it. And so what you want to do is get it into, uh, start the bootloader that's on the board. The bootloader is in the flash RAM on the board and it lets you load various different programs. Um, CircuitPython is just another program. It could be like the Blink program in Arduino. Circuit, CircuitPython is another program that you can use. So to get it into bootloader mode, find the reset button on um, the board and just double click it. And then uh, over here, you can see, I'm not sure if I can make this bigger. Nope, sorry, unfortunately. But it says C play boot right here. And that means that's the boot drive. It's actually not really a drive. It looks like a USB drive, but it's kind of a fake. The software is pretending to be a drive. And whatever you drop on that is a program that it's going to store in flash memory on the board. So um, I did download um, Circuit Playground, the, the version of the latest stable version of uh, CircuitPython. And it's a UF2 file. That's a special kind of file. It stands for USB flashing format. It's in a format that was invented by Microsoft, and they developed this UF2 bootloader, which is really easy to use because it presents as a drive. You don't need to use a separate program to load things onto the board, which is really convenient. So what we're, we'll do is just we've downloaded this thing, and we'll just drag it on to the CPlay boot drive. And then it thinks for a little while, and then it comes back. And now notice it says, CircuitPy doesn't say C play boot anymore. So what's happened is uh, we loaded CircuitPython onto the board. The bootloader is still there. We didn't replace the bootloader. And we could get it back again by double clicking. But now CircuitPython is running. And it shows us a drive. And it has a real, it's presenting a real USB drive called CircuitPy. It's like for boards like the Circuit Playground Express, it's about two megabytes, which is a tiny, tiny USB drive. But it's plenty of space to store your programs, to store libraries, and to store data like pictures and sounds. So um, we've got that running now. So now, how do we talk to the board? Well, one way to talk to the board would just be to put things into the CircuitPy drive. And another way would be to, um, you can talk to it over what's called the REPL, or the read eval print loop. If you installed regular Python, you could start it and then you could type things at it and ask and, and just interact with it. You don't have to use it to run a program. So let me start um, an editor called Mu. But first, I'll show you where to get that, actually. If you go to codewith.mu, this website, this is a great editor developed by Nicholas Tolerby um, in the UK. And he designed it to be used for by beginning Python programmers, not necessarily CircuitPython, but regular Python and CircuitPython and other things too. So this, this website 
uh, lets you download this open source piece of software. Just go to it, click on the download link, and pick um, your operating system. So in the case of Windows, uh, click 32-bit or 64-bit, probably 64-bit. Um, you can follow the instructions if you want. Um, installing it on Linux is a little bit different, uh, but you can read about all about that at this website. So I've already downloaded and installed this, so we don't have to wait for it. Um, but here's what it looks like when you start it. And let's, um, now it's talking to, if you click on, when you first plug in your board, you'll see that you're in circuit Python mode, okay? Uh, because it detects that there's a board that, that's plugged in already. So let's go ahead now and um, let's make this a little bit bigger. And let's click, let's click this um, box that's called serial. This lets you talk, this is you type at the read eval print loop that CircuitPython presents. Okay. So here I'm talking to the board here. And if I just type, uh, hit the enter key, you can see this prompt. Uh, greater, greater. Let's make that even bigger. There we go. That should be easier to read. So what can we do with this read eval print loop? Well, you can just type stuff. You can type two plus two, and in fact, it is four. That's good. You can type um, Python statements like uh, here's a print statement. Let's print hello world. It does that. Okay. And there's a bunch of stuff, other stuff that you can do, and you can you can try out all kinds of Python things here. But suppose we want to do something uh, a little a little more interesting here. There's on this board. Um, let me point to it. There's a light. There's a red um, LED right here, and it's connected to pin D13 for digital, D for digital, and we can turn that on and off. How do we do that? Okay. So first we'll do, um, we'll import a library of, or a module called, that's built into CircuitPython called board. And board has a bunch of stuff in it. I could, I could say dir of board, oops. And it, it has a list of all the pins that are supported on this board um, and also some devices. So there are pins that are around the outside, A0, and so forth. Um, they also have D names. Also on this board, this is a very interesting board. It's not just a microcontroller. It has two buttons. It has a speaker. It has a microphone. It has a light sensor. It has infrared transmit and receive. And around the outside, it has 10 RGB LEDs called NeoPixels. And we'll play with those later. So it's kind of an all-purpose experimenter board. And everything that you're interested in is 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 on that, which is really convenient. Um, so, as I said, this this little um, red LED it happens to be on D13. So, uh, in order to, to to turn that light on and off, I can uh, use what's called a digital in out, um, which is in the module called digital I/O. So let's import digital I/O. And now let me define a variable called D13. And I can use tab completion. That's how I, I didn't type it that fast. Um, OK. So I've, I've created an object that's a digital in-out object. It starts out being an in object, but I'll switch it to output. So I can say D13.switch to something output. The tab completion is really convenient. In fact, you could also type like just D13 that something, and you can see everything that you can do with a particular object. Or for instance, remember I said uh, I had board. If I hit the tab key, it'll show me everything that I can type at that point. So anyway, we had D13. It's a digital in out. So um, let's 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 turn it on first. So. We'll set its value. First of all, let's see what its value is. It's false. That means it's low. Its voltage is zero. Okay. Let's set its value to true. 
Okay, what happened? The light came on right here. All right, right next to the blue thing. Let's set it to false. Turned off. Let's set it to true. All right, so you've already made something happen. Okay, you've done physical computing. So why don't we write the classic physical computing program, which is to blink an LED? Okay, so for, to do that, we'll import another module called time, which is a standard module in regular Python. It's not just in CircuitPython. These other modules, uh, board and digital IO, they're in, they're specific to CircuitPython. They're not in regular Python. Um, but now we'll import time. And time has a function called sleep. You can say sleep for one second. And you notice there was a little delay right there. So let's, let's write a little loop that turns the LED on and off. So I'll turn it on. Then I'll sleep for a second. I'll turn it off. Sleep for a second. And then I'll, when I finish all this, it, this loop will start to run. While true means run forever, okay? While something is true, true is always true, okay? So now if you, and if you look at the, um, what I've got here, you can see, let's see if it's in focus. That's not bad. You can see it blinking. All right, it's blinking once a second. Fantastic. Okay. All right, so that's great. Okay, but let's do some other things too. Another thing that this board has, has is um, all these, all these, pads around the edge here, all these pin connections, you can use as touch inputs, or many of them you can. Okay, so let's import another module called TouchIO, which handles all this. And um, there's a pin A2, and I have, I have old eyes, so I have to see where it is here. Okay, I'll point to it right here. It's labeled A2. I have to use magnifier for that, because my eyes aren't as good as they used to be. So um, let's create a touch IO object. And it'll be attached to, it'll be based on uh, the A2 pin on this board, okay? So if I say, uh, am I touching this now? No, okay. All right, now I'll touch it with my finger. Oh, it detected that I'm touching it, okay? And if I took my finger away, now it's false. In fact, I could also get the raw value because it's not just really true or false, it's actually reading an electrical signal. And it says, well, the raw value, which it thinks is, is um, it's reading a certain amount of capacitance is 896. There's a threshold that's 996. It has to be above the threshold in order to uh, register as being touched. So for instance, let me touch it now. And I'll go back to the raw value. And you see the raw value is really high and that's way better, higher than the threshold. So yeah, it says, okay, this is true. And if I wanted to calibrate this, in fact, if I move my hand close, I'm not even touching. Oh, there we go. See, I'm not even touching, but I'm close. It's, uh, it can detect that my hand is really close. Okay, that's great. All right, it's a bit of a nuisance now. We've been doing this. Um, it's a little bit of a nuisance to create all these objects and you have to remember it's kind of jargon and an idiom to say, oh, create a touch in object and create it and so forth. So we created a library called um, the Adafruit Circuit Playground Library that lets you um, access everything on this particular board really easily. Okay, so let me start, let me uh, import that library. And I'm gonna import an object that that library defines called CP for Circuit Playground. So this is just another form of the import statement. Whoops, I can't do that because 
it was trying to set up to use D13. So let me just restart CircuitPython. So how do I do that? Well, it's really easy. I just type Control D, and it restarts the whole thing. Oh, it says I, I'm in safe mode. Let's just let's just forget. Let's uh, do this. That's because it, it detected a problem. I will restart mu. This is called the demo effect when things go wrong. Okay. So anyway, um, let me um, just fix one thing here. One thing that I haven't talked about is that how would you get a board to, to run code automatically? Um, you can do that um, by making a program called code.py. And when CircuitPython starts, it will, if there's a code.py program on the CircuitPy drive, it will run that program right away. But I don't want it to do that. So let me rename code.py to codex.py. And also let me make sure that that rename has taken effect here. Okay, so now I'm back in the REPL. Um, let me do that import statement again. Great, okay. So let's look at this CP thing again. Let me get even more space here. So this uh, CP object from the Circuit Playground library has a whole bunch of functionality here. You can see, uh oh, it's got acceleration. You can find out the temperature. You can start, you can play tones. You could actually play music files. All these underscore things are internal things you don't have to worry about. You can figure out whether the buttons are pressed. Um, you can get touch inputs and so forth. So let's try some of those. Like, well, what's the temperature? Okay, that's in, in Celsius, 27 degrees Celsius. And that's just using a temperature sensor that's um, internal to the, um, to the chip. Um, let's see whether the button is pressed, uh, whether button A is pressed. It isn't. Well, let's press it. Now it's pressed, okay? Let's play a tone. You give it the frequency, so 440 is uh, A, and we'll play A that for one second. Maybe you heard that. It's a, it's a pretty small speaker. You could play it for just 0.1 seconds, and it just makes a beep noise. Okay. And that D13 red uh, LED that I was using is called, more conveniently, red LED here. So if I did cp.redLED equals true, it'll turn on. And if I set it to false, it'll turn off. Okay. Now, much more fun are these red, green, blue um, things around the edge here. So they're all in the pixels. Um, there's, a, there's a list here called pixels or an array. And I can just use subscripting in Python Python style subscripting, and I can give red, a red, green, blue value as a tuple, which is a Python data structure. So it's a, it's a, I'll, and the red, green, and blue values can vary between 0 and 255. If I make them even slightly too bright, the webcam gets all washed out here. So I'll just try a very small. So I'll set uh, red to um, 5, green to 0, and blue to 5. Um, and you see that it came on here. Let me make it a little brighter. Okay, let me move that, there we go. Okay. All right, well, let's write a program, all right? So, so far we've just been typing things, but how do you write a program? You don't wanna just, this is not the only way you can do it. You can't, you're not gonna, just do this manually all the time. 
So I talked about creating a file code called code.py here. So um, let's start writing a program here. So I'm going to um, I'm going to type in some of the things in this program that I've been typing in the REPL. I'm going to need the time function because I'm going to have something happen over and over again, and I want a delay. I'm going to import that library. That's really convenient. And um, so let's let's do something simple. We're going to do kind of a Blink program, but with one of the NeoPixels. So let me just say like color equals my go that color that I was using. How about a different color? 10, 10, 0. Um, let's set the zeroth pixel. Um, to uh, that color. Let's define another color. Let's see. Black, which is everything turned off. Okay. And then I'll sleep for a second. Now I'll turn it off by setting it to black. All right. Let me zoom out a bit so you can see more of the whole program. Move this down. All right. So let's let's save this program on the board now. Well, that's not where I want to say it. Save it. Let's save it on CircuitPy. Where is the CircuitPy drive? It's disappeared. Well, that's not so good. All right, let's let's uh, let me unplug it and plug it back in again and see if it recovers. There we go. There we go. So let's save this as code.py. And now I'll um, just restart things here. Okay, now you can see we're blinking right here. All right, let's change this program. Let's let's try to blink blink all of the LEDs, all of the RGB LEDs, all the all of the new pixels. I think I can do this. I'm not sure. If I can't, that's okay. Nope, I can't do that. Okay, never mind. Oh, I know what's wrong. I know what's wrong. What I have to do is um, see, I was trying to set one value to 10 values on the other side. So I will. See if I can do this. This may not work. Nope. Never mind. We won't. I won't. I won't pursue this because it, I hadn't tried it in advance. So we'll just go back to one. Okay. So let's try something else here. Um, right now, I'm just blinking 
a single color. Let's um, let's choose a random color each time we're on the loop instead of always always using this 10, 10, 0 color. So there's a function called uh, random.randrange, which uh, gives you um, a value between 0 and 50, not including 50, and the way I'm choosing to use it. So now each time it blinks, it'll be some random color. And if we're interested, we could also print out what the color is. And now you can see the color that it's using. It's, it's, um, it's displaying down at the bottom here. And what you actually see is a lot of the time it looks just kind of bluish white or something because when these when you choose random colors you tend to get things that are kind of an average of, of of a certain color. So sometimes it's very red, but not usually. Usually it's just kind of some weird weird random color. All right. So maybe. Um, no, and Pedro, do, is there are there questions piled up? I haven't been looking at the chat. Um, let's see. Uh, we've been answering most of them. They've been kind of like, hey, is there more documentation? So we've been linking to uh, the CircuitPython Essentials link. Great, um, great. So if folks okay. want more info, they can go to learn.adafruit.com and search for uh, CircuitPython Essentials. Yeah, been posting links to the newsletter so you guys can subscribe to all the latest nudes. It's where all the newest boards and all the newest libraries are added. And you can catch the weekly video that Katni puts together on all of the uh, newest uh, happenings in CircuitPython on hardware. And I'm also posting links to the recommended hardware, like the reversible USB cable. Seems to be one of the uh, biggest problems when people are first getting starting out. Uh, make sure that you have a data USB cable, not a charging one. Yep. Yeah, that's really, that's like 90% of the problem with cables. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like Noah said, linking to the Essentials Guide, which has all of the libraries and a lot of the examples that you were showing, so everybody can uh, go ahead and uh, program along. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. All right, so let's, let me go on now from this example. Um, I'm going to unplug this board. And um, plug in another board and talk about uh, circuit py Python libraries a little bit. Let's get this centered here. Um, so I talked about there's the circuit Python itself, and it has a bunch of built-in stuff that lets you control pins and things like that. But we've also got like on the order of like 250 and going on 300 libraries that support a whole bunch of different uh, pieces of hardware. We sell a lot of breakout boards, motors, sensors, all that kind of stuff. And these libraries support all those things, displays, et cetera. Um, so on CircuitPython boards that have like more pins, you could connect things up easily to these, to these uh, outside pieces of hardware. Also, really interestingly, you can use these libraries on a Raspberry Pi or some other single board computer that has pins available because we've written a wrapper library called Blinka and it isn't CircuitPython, but it emulates stuff like digital IO and touch IO and um, uh, various other things that let you, I'm not sure about touch IO, but uh, uh, that analog IO that let you, talk to the pins on these boards as if you were running inside CircuitPython. So you're running in regular Python and what's called CPython on say a Raspberry Pi, but you're actually using um, uh, these our libraries. 
so that our libraries can be used not only on the microcontrollers, but on your regular uh, Raspberry Pi or whatever. In fact, there's even an outboard thing called an FT232H that uh, you can connect to a host computer like a Windows or a Mac machine and talk to it and connect it up to um, sensors and LEDs and stuff so that you can even do this kind of stuff from your um, host computer without having to have a Raspberry Pi or something, though it's more it's easier if, tending, if you have a single board computer. And um, I haven't talked anything about Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, but we have support for both of those things. And in particular, uh, we have Bluetooth code that runs on stuff like um, this um, Circuit Playground Blue Fruit and other uh, Circuit Playground boards. Here's one called a, a Feather Sense. This little shiny thing here is uh, the microcontroller chip and the radio parts. And this one has other stuff on it, like a humidity sensor and stuff like that, which is which is really convenient. Um, but we've also made it so that you can use our Bluetooth libraries on host computers that support uh, Bluetooth. Right now, we support Windows and Linux, and we're working on Mac. So uh, you can use our Bluetooth libraries directly from a host computer as long as that host computer supports Bluetooth or has a Bluetooth peripheral on it. So you can use that to talk to other Bluetooth devices or to talk to our boards that can talk Bluetooth. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about um, uh, using libraries. So the Circuit Playground board that I showed you, it has it has a bunch of libraries that are already compiled into the firmware for the temperature sense for the the speaker and the accelerometer that's on it and and the NeoPixel LEDs and so forth. But normally uh, the boards don't come with that, and so you end up loading um, libraries. You end up needing to fetch those libraries and load them. And I wanted to show you where to get the libraries. So let's go to um, let's go back to this to circuitpython.org where we were looking at before, and you see there's a link here called libraries, and if you click on that, you'll see what are called the library bundles, and these are just zip files that are. Um, Uh, contain all the current libraries. So they've got two, right now 267 or something like that libraries in them. And there are versions for each version of CircuitPython. Uh, download the, click on the one that you need and download it and unzip it and you'll find all the libraries. And they're in a pre-compiled form called MPY, which uh, saves space and time compared with uh, the Python files and also makes it possible to even load libraries that would be too large if you started with the source Python files. So just pick the one that you want, download it, unzip it, and you'll find a bunch of stuff in there. In fact, I could do that right now. So let me, I got one of those zip files. And these are small files. They're not that big. Um, hello. There we go. Unfortunately, this is really tiny. But you'll see there are many, many, many libraries here. These are all the ones that have, some of the libraries have multiple files and some of the libraries are just a single file. So I've got like over 260 possibilities here. So you can't copy all of these to your board. You just copy the ones that you need. There's not enough room on CircuitPy for, for all of these. But I've done that already on another board. I've got this uh, Metro M4 board here. So we can go back to um, here, right here. And I've got two sense, I've got a sensor connected up here, the SHT31D, which is a humidity sensor. And um, also I've got a servo motor connected up. And I've got another sensor here, but I hadn't loaded a library for that because I didn't have time to get that set up. So let's try that. So let's go back to this. Um, Let's see if we're connected. Let's uh, let's see if I can reconnect here. I might need to um, 
restart view because sometimes it seems to get stuck. There we go. Okay. So now you see we're not running a circuit playground express. We're running an Adafruit Metro M4 express board. And this board actually, the, the microcontroller on this board is actually more sophisticated, or it's not more sophisticated. It just has more memory. It's faster, has more RAM and more flash than the Circuit Playground Express. So let's just try um, a really simple thing here. I'll import the Adafruit SHT31D library, which is for the um, humidity sensor. And then I'll create an object that is an instance of one of the sensor. Oh, let's see, I've got to do one. I also need to import the board library. What can I type here? I can type SHT31D and I have to talk to it over an I2C bus. So there's a default one called board.i2c. So now I've got the sensor thing. And what can I do with the sensor? I can say, well, what's the temperature? That's it in Celsius. What's the humidity? It's relative humidity. Okay, 68%. It's kind of muggy here. Uh, and there are a bunch of other functions that you can see here, like um, this, 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 this sensor actually has a heater so that you can drive off excess moisture and stuff like that. It has a serial number. I've never actually even tried that. All right, great. <laughs> okay, and let's try some. The last thing we'll try here is um, let's try to make this servo do something. So there's another library that's built in, another module that's built in called Pulse.io. And I also need uh, a library called Adafruit Motor. And let's create a servo object. And it's inside the, um, oh, I have to import adafruitmotor.servo. So let's create a servo. And I have to, um, give it a pulse width modulation pin. And this is sort of technical and it's explained in the uh, guides that explain how to use servos with our boards. And I'll do it on the D10 pin on this board. And it's already connected up here. So if that type, okay, great. So you can watch the arm on the servo. I can just change its angle. Oop, let's go. go back and forth and you can see it's spinning back and forth. So you could obviously write a program that moved this back and forth to raise and lower something or whatever you wanted to do with a servo. So I'm beginning to get um, run out of time here. We've got about seven minutes left. So um, just wondering what else, if there's any other, um, are there any other questions, uh, Noe and Pedro that I might uh, one that just came oh, up, uh, Brent uh, answered was how to do the autocomplete, and it's just the tab key. That's right. And then a lot of people are just commenting, saying that they really like this format. Uh, seeing experts, um, you know, have mistakes uh, makes them feel more comfortable when they're trying to experiment uh, in their programming journeys. So multiple people saying that they like that. Just right. seeing you will see, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, I got stuck. The program got stuck. The board yeah. got in a funny state. All these things make me worried that there are bugs. But it also means that uh, if this happens to you, don't get too upset. It happens to us, too, yeah, yes. as you said. And then shout outs to everybody who's been hanging out in the chat room. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube, on the Discord. So we have uh, Sean Harold, who is really liking the stream. And uh, let's see, we have Mark. 
Bozaki. We have, uh, like I said, Brent Rebels hanging out in the chat. We have Scott uh, Shawcroft in here, David, Michael, Gustavo, Renee, um, David M uh, Mitchell, Ricardo Ruiz, uh, Ambrella's hanging out in the chat, uh, Techno Vlogger, uh, Nick. There's so many people in here. Right. <laughs> we actually have a question from Scott. Uh, so Scott's asking, Dan, what's your favorite part of CircuitPython? What is my favorite part? Again, uh, tough question. Yeah. All of it. <laughs> the favorite thing I like about CircuitPython is that I can just type in the REPL and get it to do something. That is really... That yeah. is a really awesome way to kind of that is a real right. That is, you do not have to write a program. You do not have to compile a program. You do not have to get this, you know, and you can see immediately what your mistakes are. Unlike using some compiled environment like Arduino, I just tried, you saw, I just tried stuff. I didn't have to write a program. And whenever I say like, oh, is this working or not? The thing that I always do is that I just go into the REPL and try it. I often paste things in. That's great. Um, I just wanted to, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's the most thrilling part of the whole thing uh, is, is, to, is to get instant gratification, yeah. <laughs> which is to make something happen, to right. make something in physical computing happen. Yeah. yeah, I think for us would be just being able to see the code load up on your desktop. There's like so many old projects that were all written on Arduino that we can't access any of that code anymore. Right. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing is that you have your code and libraries with you when you go to a different computer. Mm -hmm. That's that's really useful in lots of different um, scenarios. Funny, I can remember uh, when uh, when the ideas were still coming up for um, CircuitPython. Remember, we were standing in line at State of Arduino at one of the maker fairs with Scott, mm -hmm. and he was explaining how the USB was working. And Our as jobs was, dropped, we were like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> It was so funny because as he was explaining to that, as we're waiting in line for the state of Arduino, Massimo walks by. We're like, hey, Massimo. Hey. <laughs> it was lots of fun. Okay. Um, well, let's do we want to wrap up any other comments? Yeah, I'll say one more thing, excuse yeah. me, about Blinka. That mm -hmm. also in circuitpython.org, there's a Blinka link. Mm. And these are all the boards that we support under Blinka, all these single board computers, not just Raspberry Pis, but most a lot of Raspberry Pis, but many other boards too. And as I remembered, the F232H is a board that you can connect via USB to a host computer and do the same thing. So you don't even need a single board computer with its own pins to do this. You just need this kind of adapter. Um, other stuff that's in CircuitPython, or I think you've given all these links, like the newsletter and how to contribute to CircuitPython.org and where to find help. Oh, let's just go to the forums. Okay, so I'm I'm I think I'm I'm done, and I know what to do better the next time I do this. But I, <laughs> I think we could also mention the CircuitPython meetings happen normally every Monday at two p.m. Eastern time. Um, it happens in the Discord chat room, uh, so it's a great opportunity for folks to come in and, and kind of hear and listen in on uh, what's happening with CircuitPython and uh, the community. Yeah, and then. Uh... We have some uh, suggestions if uh, you do get, because streaming does get a little bit addictive, uh, Dan. So for your yeah. next one, people are uh, asking if you could do a live stream on writing some uh, CircuitPython drivers, uh, maybe a sensor or a TFT. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I could do that. That might be something for Brian to do, but yeah, I could. Uh, that would be fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Those are great suggestions, folks. Uh, definitely leave them in. Oh, we got one from John Park. John is asking if you could snap your fin fingers, Dan, um, and uh, for for a new feature in CircuitPython, what would it be? Ha. Huh. Tough one. <laughs> of course, the internal folks have the the tough one. Yeah, I can't. What's your favorite part? What, would you know, like what is your favorite part? Right. Well, I worked on this and I worked on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think what I want is that, and we're working on this, is that we want to be able to be able to do things more, more simultaneously in CircuitPython. Mm -hmm. Right now, you write a loop and it has to do a bunch of things uh, in sequence, but you'd like to like make this happen at the same time and make that happen at the same time and not have to worry about um, keeping all those timings in sync. And can you, are you finished? Did you finish something fast enough to be able to do something else? So we're talking about, uh, 
like concurrency and um, asynchronous events. And we hope to come up with a library for that and or some built-in support for that soon. And I think that would make it really easy to do a whole bunch of things that are hard right now. Excellent. Well, with that, we are going to end the stream and Katni is going to start up the uh, the next one. Yeah, so don't go anywhere. It's uh, live hurry up. Uh, show and tell <laughs> in Spanish. So definitely yes. stick around. We're going to be in the chats helping out Katni. So uh, we can understand and speak a little bit of Spanish. So we'll try to uh, answer or translate any questions that Excellent. anyone might have. But yeah, stick around. There's going to be a whole day of Circuit Python Day, tons of shows coming up, all the regulars that happen on Wednesday. So stick around. Uh, show and tell is coming up right now. All right, Thanks, folks. Guys. Bye, everybody. See ya. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.